0: We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet
1: you're listening to the swap motor live podcast brought to you now by our friends at fly racing big thank you and shout out to paul davis and the rest of their crew over at wps in idaho Um, today i am in norco california with my longtime friend and motocross legend doug dubach so dr d thanks for having me it took a little while to
0: coordinate but yeah a little bit of phone tag going on but I think we're finally we're we're in the same place
1: anyway I think it was because you're wide open 100 miles an hour in the mini dad life now right yeah I think
0: that's one of one of the hats I wear um I'm definitely a guy that's uh (laughs) takes on more than he can chew sometimes but yeah I mean between the kid racing and racing and you know this Japanese training. guy that I've been training and living with me and traveling to the races with him, so you know it kind of fills the plate up pretty quick, definitely yeah, hey, I have to say so uh, you know obviously, man,
1: I've known you since I was a little kid coming around with Ross right but, <laughs> yeah, but I was like, okay, well, you do a little research, and so I googled your name, right I'm thinking a Wikipedia page would come up or something, but instead I found your about page on uh Oh, on, on our website? On, yeah, on the Dr. D <laughs> website, right? I have to say, that was the most entertaining and well-written thing I've read in a long time. So did you pen that completely yourself? Or was I that, had help. Was yeah, it I ghost had work the, from Jody or something?
0: I think it was pulled together from a few different sources and uh, kind of cleaned up. And, yeah. yeah. No, just, it was. Just, yeah, honestly, I, it,
1: was, it was beautifully written. I, oh, I enjoyed it.
0: Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah, it's. I guess there's a lot to be told when you're you know 100 years old and been in the industry at least that long so yeah yeah, how old are you uh i'll be actually my birthday is in just a few days okay the 30th of june so i'll be 56 56 that's not old at all yeah it's the new 30 (laughs) yeah it is right (laughs) isn't it funny that we're in our
1: 50s now and i'm still waiting to wake up and think like an adult
0: like i still don't really yeah, it likely won't happen anytime soon. I, mean, I feel started. like an old guy when I walk
1: down the stairs for the first time in the day. But
0: Yeah, I think we all do. But like
1: mentally? I don't know. I guess I've just graduated into the dirty old man status, you know?
0: Well, yeah, I think everybody kind of gets their toes in there every once in a while. But, um, yeah, I, I. it's funny because we have these same conversations with just people anywhere, everywhere. Yeah. On an airplane or a friend at the track, whatever. And it is kind of funny because when I was... I don't know, pick an age somewhere below thirty and uh-huh. I looked at somebody forty, I thought, man, that guy's like one foot in the grave and yeah, right? you know, well, what is he doing with his day? I mean it what, like barely get to work and then get home and flop on the couch, but I, I don't know. Yeah, one day I'll I'll grow up and, you know, stop doing a thousand things, racing RC cars, riding mountain bikes, yeah. you know, travelling to races, going to Europe and racing still and just yeah. all the crazy stuff that I tend to kind of loop myself into yeah i remember
1: when uh when my brother rossi he, he, when he he was all pumped because he turned 30 and he could race vet pro at, at ascot <laughs> and i remember I, I was racing my stupid three-wheeler right and i was like dang 30 i didn't even know you could still ride motorcycles when you're yeah that that's old. like the end right yeah, isn't that the, of of that the beginning of the end oh
0: jesus yeah,
1: super senior or what do they call your class at mammoth though
0: Master. Uh, master i think that all it's kind of an ama thing because i remember going to loretta's whatever class i rode at first but when i rode like the 40 class it was something like senior and i'm like says no i like get a discount at sizzler yeah. mean, should yeah. I, like pull my my championship you know uh, loretta uh, whatever those plates maybe. Yeah. should i bring that to sizzler and see Definitely. if i get a discount could, because right? they uh yeah, it's a little bit insulting because I, I feel like we still get around there better than what you would picture a senior getting yeah, around right? the track. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, like, still, like,
1: I mean, uh, Fox Race was the exception, but, like, I still do every jump at most of the tracks around here. I mean, at my level. And it's, like, yeah. funny because I remember when I was, uh, you know, my 20s, I'm just like, oh, man, I hope someday I'm good enough to race veteran intermediate You know, and it's like <laughs> – you know, because I didn't start riding a motorcycle, a proper motorcycle, till I was, like, maybe 19, I think. Yeah. Because so, I rode the chairs before yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But, but it's just funny that, that, like, you know, I still see you riding. And any day you go to the track, you're still one of the fastest guys at the track.
0: Yeah, oh, you know? thank you. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. My son and I were just having a, a conversation very similar the other day where, like, this year i've been off with some stupid stuff i broke my finger i had a little knee set back and whatnot and he's like man you know it's so strange to go to the track with you not riding Mm because you know it's it's just abnormal ever since he could recognize a motorcycle and people riding them you know it's been me at the track then he and i at the track so yeah it's been a little bit of a strange year for me but uh yeah, it's all, I'm, all my little stuff's healed up, so I've been hitting it as much as I can. <laughs> are you going to uh, race Loretta's this year? No? no Loretta's for me. The boy will race, oh. but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll am i be kind of up to my shoulders in, you know, AMA racing with the Japanese rider, and then just, you know, it's tough. That's a commitment if you want I, I don't want to go there and just race. I, mm-hmm. I go there to win, so I just – Yeah, it's just not quite in the cards this year. You know, if he continues to go, and yeah, you know, life is always changing. You know, what I was doing five years ago is different than what I'm doing today, which will probably be different again in the next five years. Just, you know, I'm never afraid of a challenge, so I always seem to tackle something. But, um, you know, I still just do anything I can. You know, I'm going to uh, Europe right after the last national i'm going to france to ride a race and then mm-hmm. england to ride farley castle which has kind of just become part of my life each, yeah. each year first weekend of september i go there for, like the vet, <clears throat> the, the vet yeah mx of nations so uh last year we had a great year uh we won everything basically uh-huh. you know there's the really never and- uh, Dowd and brown oh wow so yeah, we had a pretty can you heavy expect not to win. Yeah, right? yeah, well, you, you know, Tedesco made the, the twin shock really challenging because he didn't realize how difficult a husky, I don't know, 9000 whatever. It seemed like we were all on a little bit different displacement, but um, how easy it stalled and how difficult it was to get started. So yeah. it's it's was old rule, you go, kid? yeah, and you uh-huh. go into the paddock and there's no help. Yeah. So he goes in there and he's kicking around his gate, kicking around his gate, and he accidentally kicks it into gear. Blip! It stalls. Oh. So I'm looking over at him, going, "Oh, oh, he's never going to get that started." So I'm just <laughs> concentrating on my start. So, um, yeah, he he gave away. Well, you can throw out one every time, and yeah. in that group, you know, I was arguably the throwout, but I wasn't for two of the motos because we all told him, "Look, don't do that again. Don't do that again." He did it again. No way. Yeah first both moto saturday and the twin shot class he stole this bike on the gate so i had to to
1: ask him about i
0: had to pull my weight there on that one yeah but then uh so anyway yeah great great year last year you know we won both the first team ever to be the same four guys even competing in both classes let alone win both because it's Mm -hmm. a long weekend you know you got two moto saturday two moto sunday for each class so it ends up being four moto saturday four sunday and it's if anyone, you know, go and look at uh, the Vets MX of Nations, Des Nations, they still call yeah. it properly Des Nations. Yeah, go find some stuff on YouTube. It's it's really a great event. But the track, it's like Carlsbad. I mean, it's fast and choppy, and you know, a little tackier than Carlsbad uh-huh. because there's always some rain in the forecast in yeah. England. But uh, yeah, it's it's really a good time. But it'll wear you out. Nice. Even though they're kind of short motos, it'll wear you out. <laughs> All right, so I read,
1: you know, when I was reading the, the about me thing that you wrote, so a couple of things stood on my head. Is like, you wrote that you went to the grocery store with your dad to go buy salad dressing and talked him into buying a taco mini bike instead. That was
0: 1971.
1: Mm-hmm. They sold mini bikes at the grocery store? Or well, was it it was a, like, well, it was Jim oh, Jimco. Well,
0: it was Jimco. Jimco, I remember which that. Which was yeah. like early Walmart slash Costco. But yeah, yeah, so we went. To, yeah get something for my mom and just through conversation uh-huh. we ended up bringing home and it wasn't a taco it was a cat oh mini cat bike. cat i'm sorry it's yeah three horsepower cat minibike quite quite than, the yeah. Uh, yeah quite the performance machine but so but my dad was in a wheelchair since before i was ever born so really our riding was up and down the street Uh uh you know trying to ditch in the garage when the cops showed up but yeah yeah, we didn't and once a year we'd go out to my uncle's in Hesperia it seemed like a three-day trip but it Uh was you know from Anaheim where I grew up it's only an hour and 10 minutes but so we'd go out there and just tool around in the hills. so that was kind of my early experience nice
1: okay so then you saved all your money and you bought a YZ80 what about six years later
0: yep yeah. Well, actually, I had XR75. Okay. I think that was Christmas gift. And, again, up and down the street. And, and my dad loved that because he's an old drag racer. So, I mean, that engine was apart more than it was together. He was yeah. polishing or raising compression or degreeing a cam, or He was doing something to that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was still kind of up and down the street. A uh, little bit of riding in the hills by my friend's house, which is now Orange and, you know, mm-hmm. Orange Park Acres and all that. Yeah. We used to go out there but uh then yeah it was a a yz80 Mm -hmm. and you know that whole thing was a kind of a a, a mystery disaster i had if anyone remembers um it was called premier yamaha now it's like beach sports cycles i think on beach boulevard yeah yeah so somehow my brother convinced those guys to bring a bike out for me to race and Mm -hmm. i'm like no way i don't want to race i was scared to death and Yeah. yeah long story short that was the beginning that was my very first race and uh, you know disaster win both motos because i didn't know what class to race so i just raced novice and i won yeah. by like a mile And it was back when it was three motos uh-huh. and then the third moto chain came off through the cases destroyed this oh. bike that i had borrowed yeah. so uh, that was the beginning of what was sort of the i guess just a little forecast into my career because that seemed like i mean you name it big cmc you know pro purse at saddleback i'd Mm -hmm. win the first moto and the second moto flat tire or uh you know a bike would see it was like that. i was always that poor kid that didn't have good equipment uh but i could typically win something somewhere along the way so yeah yeah, it was always kind of a hit and miss so maybe that that very first day at escape country was just a preview uh was was the some of the dnfs or
1: bikes breaking and stuff was that from, like, say, your dad modifying it, like, past the point of durability? Nah,
0: because he was not really involved. Once I started racing, he was—he oh. loved that XR75 because it was a four-stroke. Four but, yeah. yeah, everything that I raced, at least, while he was still alive, was a two-stroke. Mm. So, yeah, he didn't really play with much. But, no, it was because I had one bike that I would typically buy used. Yeah, You know, kind of the uh, story that's followed me around for ever and ever and ever. I just read something the other day of similar about me racing that Suzuki
1: mm, for three years yeah. or
0: something. Yeah, that's a little exaggerated, but I think I raced it almost two years. I bought it used for like uh-huh. 550 bucks from Anaheim Suzuki. And... I swear I won more races on that bike, probably made more money on that old beat up bike than anything since except Maybe the night I won San Jose, I think yeah. that might've topped a, You know, you, you can't win FCMC CMC races for $37 to, you know, yeah. add up to winning a supercross. But, um, yeah, that was kind of the story of my life. Just always had kind of crummy equipment. And then I rode tons cause I love to ride. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was not a good match. Having one bike practice and race and yeah. being a, a psycho motocross kid, <laughs> I always used to
1: hear stories from Rossi about he would, like, win a race or be winning a race, and his bike would blow up. But it was always blamed on Dad. You know, like, my dad would, like, sand down the rod or something so that, <laughs> that would rev faster, and then the rod would, the snap, rod would and, snap. You know? Yeah,
0: no, I didn't. I was pretty much a solo kid from day <coughs> one. You know, my dad saw me race twice in my Only whole twice. career. Wow. Yeah, He came out to an outdoor, just local motocross race. hmm once and then many 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 because he was in a wheelchair it was hard for him to get around so was it because
1: it was difficult um, for him yeah physically to get there not that wasn't well
0: i i had not a big crash but a scary enough crash that day and he couldn't get to me that was what he said oh "Oh, i don't i don't want to go i I don't like that but yeah and then many 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 years later my sisters uh brought him to uh supercross he watched me at anaheim one that's cool but uh, So, yeah, I was that kid, you know, working on it all myself and going to the races by myself. Like, my brother had a big influence in the beginning. Him and his buddy, uh, Kenny Linderman, mm-hmm. they're the ones that somewhat funded it, you know, because they had real jobs, mm-hmm. and uh, so they had some money. But, yeah, uh, so that, that was the beginning. Yeah. How, how does that sit with you now, thinking about,
1: like, your dad didn't see you race a whole bunch? And is and, it bug you, or is it?
0: No, because I think... You know everything you do in life shapes who you are and yeah. you know that when i see certain things happening or hears people talk about this or that or you know then you're like ah oh, you know i kind of miss that part of my life but you know i'm really enjoying racing with my kid you yeah. know not to like make up for anything lost but it was just uh you know i love going to the races i love watching yeah. everything all his emotional roller coasters <laughs> of the day just everything that happens i, I just think You know, because I appreciated everything I did. You know, I was kind of thrown in there Mm because I, you know, my my first trip to Europe was Eric Eaton got hurt, and I was just kind of a Yamaha support guy. I had some decent results, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm standing in line at the consulate in L.A. trying to get a passport in one day to go fill in for him in Italy. You know, these things like that. You're it's a crash course in you know just life, and those were a lot of experiences that I think helped shape who i am today you know work ethic or yeah you know figuring stuff out and you know my dad taught me tons in the garage you know he was a machinist i could weld when i was like 10 years old <laughs> I, I knew the you yeah. know firing order of a small block chevy when i was probably seven or eight you uh-huh. know i just that's just the life that i grew up in because yeah. he was a drag racer guy or always had a some hot red car and they're working on it
1: yeah that's awesome i like i like when i see you and carter at the track because he's not like that you know some kid's they get to a certain age and they think they know more than their parents or, the, or their parents aren't too cool anymore. Like I remember walking, I mean, this is not completely relatable, but like walking my daughter to school and at a certain age, I just remember holding her hand. And as we got closer to school, you know, they opened the fingers. They, wanna, they don't want to be seen holding hands with dad <laughs> it, it, like that. But I mean, you know, there is definitely a shithead kid stage where they just don't want to be around their dad or don't want to listen to her dad. But yeah, Carter seems like he's fully into absorbing what you have to offer
0: yeah you know I'm pretty lucky I think he's uh he's a really intelligent kid which you know good and bad it may not be the best thing if he wants to be a you know the next Villapoto but uh I think it's it's just it's really rewarding for me because you know he's smart he can work on his own bike he can Mm -hmm. do so many things and and uh we just have a good time together you know I I'm it was funny you wrote that piece I've heard from a thousand people that they've read that piece the anti-mini-dad but that's the way I treat it and again I'm not pushing for him to be the next superstar and and I think he appreciates it because win, lose, or draw it's always a a decent conversation driving home Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. oh let's go get a sandwich a burger whatever it is and and i learned a lot of that from all the sports i played with my two older daughters mm-hmm. they're only four years older than carter but yeah my girls
1: oh yeah we lived in were, uh <clears throat> soccer dad life together yeah, for a while. yeah
0: yeah all that club stuff but um so i i think you know you learn a lot yourself about who you are in those situations you know mm-hmm. they're the pitcher that you know walks the winning run home or you know yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff and you know they're already just got a mountain of, of whatever on their shoulders and and so yeah you don't need to be reminding them of uh, the problem that just happened or whatever so I've, I've tried to carry that in and i've tried to just be that guy that'll you know tell you what i think yeah and he listens half the time i'd say 50 percent. it's probably <laughs> better than most but um you know he definitely has his own character and his own spirit and and uh yeah i i enjoy every minute
1: yeah a little side note detour here like did your did your
0: daughters end Mm -hmm. up playing soccer beyond club yeah one did one didn't because my oldest daughter she was kind of wafting back and forth between softball and soccer Mm -hmm. so they were she was very very good pitcher Mm -hmm. and uh but they like half the kids you know they play every sport and so she was club, soccer, but also, you know, really coming up, playing serious in softball. So yeah. she made the mistake of quitting one and going after the other. She quit softball and chased soccer because mm-hmm. her team made it to, you know, kind of nationals and did some that. And then that team disbanded. Mm-hmm. She it was tough, you know, to try and get on to another. So then she went back to softball. Well, she had already missed a year. Yeah. And now all those spots are filled. Where okay. They got there, so she ended up um, not doing anything sports related, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then the, her younger sister is playing in Tulsa, so she's on a full ride in Tulsa oh, wow. playing Division okay. One. So, so she's, wow. Uh, wow, wow. she's, that's awesome. She's got a big plate, full plate, maybe <laughs> much like dad. But she's going. <clears throat> she's in the nursing program. And playing Division One soccer, which Heck one yeah. of the other coaches that tried to recruit her from some other college looked her straight in the face and said, "You can't do that. You can't play Division One soccer and and, try. and and tackle nursing." And she's <laughs> they
1: wanted her to be a communications major, or <clears throat> something. Yeah, or, exactly.
0: Underwater yeah. basket weaving, yeah. but so she's made it two years yeah, so far.
1: That's, that's really badass.
0: because uh, I mean,
1: yeah, I live the the club soccer dad life too. Yeah. You know, and it's like. <clears throat> You know, it was it was heartbreaking for Megan because you know she had double ACLs. Mm-hmm. Like just yeah, I remember
0: that, building attachments to her oh, wheelchair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So so my daughter blew her ACL, borrowed Rossi's spare wheelchair, and you came and you built the all the little for foot attachments leg. to
0: get, get her leg out. Yeah, yeah.
1: but uh, I don't know. Was that weird for you being soccer dad? Did you know anything about soccer before? Because I certainly when I didn't.
0: walked in, I knew nothing. Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't even tell you what offsides was, but now it's funny. I'm a huge fan. Just you, know, you spend enough time, you understand yeah. the complexity of the game, and it's it's a cool game. Yeah, and so yeah, I try and take in games anytime I'm in Europe and I can. You uh-huh. know, I've, we we've kind of befriended some coaches through one of the clubs all these. Uh, man united coaches Mm -hmm. would come over and uh, host these big clinics and they would look for families to host them so we befriended all these guys they'd stay in my house at a pool you know and they uh, you know i had two at my house but i'd have 15 during that two hour midday lunch break all laying around my pool but anyway so we got to go and watch some games with some good seats and yeah and uh we've taken on some other ones just kind of out of interest so it's it's a great game you know women's world cup's going on right now yeah. so it's uh, yeah i i wouldn't know that if i didn't if have you, a daughter yeah, playing exactly exactly
1: <laughs> yeah I, I think i was i was many years into the club life and i'm all hey how come sometimes when they kick the ball out like the, the goalie kicks it and sometimes it's a throw in
0: <laughs> I, I didn't understand
1: like even that but i miss it for yeah. sure you know but, well, it uh, just
0: becomes a part of your life. You know, yeah. there's this field right around the corner from my house and we must have logged, you know, 100,000 hours of softball there. Yeah. And because that's what they started before they took on basketball, every other thing that they did. But mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, it's a year ago or something. But I was driving by with my wife and they were, they were all out there practicing and that. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you know, just like I said 10 minutes ago, life changes. Yeah. You know, you, you think, this is my life. And then five years later, you're like, oh wow, man, Completely I, I different. hardly remember what I was doing. You know, that yeah. was that was consumed my life then, and now I don't even go there anymore. Yeah, once in a while,
1: when I'm riding my my dog around the neighborhood on my bicycle, we'll pass by because like we had we have a park in our neighborhood, and that's where I yeah, yeah. play practice. Like every once in a while, I'll just stop and I'll just watch for a little while.
0: Yeah, those little <laughs> ghost images yeah. of kids running around in this empty field. Definitely. Well, hey, let's take a quick break to uh,
1: hear from some of my sponsors, but we'll be right back with uh, Doug Dubot. This is Zach Osborne, rider for Rockstar Energy Husqvarna factory racing team. I love my race bike, but it's not the only model I love from Husqvarna Motorcycles. They offer a whole range of off-road and street motorcycles. When you don't want to have to load up just to go for a ride, a dual-sport motorcycle is the perfect way to get your fix. Explore the trail beyond with the FE250, which delivers a more intuitive riding experience. And right now, Husqvarna Motorcycles is offering as low as 0% financing on select dual sport models. Head to your local authorized Husqvarna Motorcycles dealer to learn more.
0: For over six decades, Scott Motorsports has pushed the limits of innovation, providing our customers with the most advanced technology available. Scott is honored to be the exclusive eyewear sponsor of the Swap Moto Live podcast athletes such as chad reed justin barja and myself adam cientrillo require the best performance which is why we choose the scott prospect goggle recognized as the number one goggle in racing scott is proud to be made in the usa check out scott-sports.com and see their complete line of high performance goggles
1: hey welcome back to the swap live podcast presented by fly racing once again i'm here with my friend doug dubach and we we're talking about soccer dad <laughs> Life and that's what all these moto guys want to hear, (laughs) definitely. But uh, so did Carter ever uh
0: do any other sports or was it always moto? Yeah, baseball and club soccer. Okay, so is he still doing that or is no? No, he stopped soccer first Mm -hmm. and then same thing, you know, how club is these teams split and they do all this crazy stuff. And yeah, yeah, he this he went to another team and they just didn't really and he was half over it anyway. And then he played baseball you know and just like half the moto kids are always good at their sports yeah. most anything they do so he was good at that and then yeah just lost enough interest that uh moto became because you know i had the the odd kid that you know hey, i'll go riding with you dad yeah or or i think i'll stay home and you know go ride my mm-hmm. bmx bike or go to the skate park you know and yeah. i was like oh, okay and that was all fine for a lot of years and then I don't know, about 12, 13, all of a sudden he decided he wanted to go racing. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's cool.
1: Um, hey, okay, switching subjects a little bit. Back to your racing career. Uh, <laughs> my first memory of you was L.A. Supercross, You know, and Ross had brought me a, got me a pit pass and brought me. And uh, it was odd because like, you are out in the public walking through Exposition Park, and you're in your gear – And you're pulling a gear bag, and it's a Dr. D on your butt, and you're wearing, I think they're Oakley blades, and you had a mullet. Yeah, but I just right. didn't thinking, everyone. Yeah, but I, I just remember thinking you look
0: so sick.
1: Like, dude, look at those blades, and that <laughs> he's got that kind of hair with the long at
0: the back. Mm, probably had a Troy Lee shirt on too, because I remember getting in trouble from Keith McCarty. It's like, so I got to pay you money, because everyone, because Troy just had the coolest stuff. Yeah, everyone wore Troy shit all the time. Uh-huh. You know, it was obviously before he made gear, so it wasn't a real direct conflict. But anyway, that's a side note. Yeah, <laughs> all right. So in reading your
1: bio um you know you you turned expert on the yz80 like really quickly 11 months Mm -hmm. i think you wrote Mm -hmm. but uh i was intrigued by reading how you started racing pro at the local level and and then you did your first national and was it the first national jeff ward lapped you or did you get
0: that was my first top finish that was my first national um 82 carlsbad i Mm -hmm. only did the one and uh, I basically went by myself. I took my friend, but he he liked beer, and he was passed out halfway through the day. So, But, yeah, that was the first moto. I'm just ripping around. You know, I got no signal. And it was 40 plus yeah. 2, so it was like an eternity out there. And so, right, I think I got the, the two-lap board or the white flag. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I hear somebody on me, and I'm like, oh, man, oh, man. So I'm trying not to look back, trying not to look back. And then, sure enough, kind of going around the top corner there at Carlsbad. It's easy to kind of glance back. Oh, yeah. and I'm like, oh, it's Jeff Ward. Okay, I better let him by. You know, he's probably leading. Yeah. So, no harm, no foul. Didn't even think too much about it. I had no idea where I was anyway, because I had no pit board or anything. And mm-hmm. So, I went up there, and I checked the results, and I'm like, oh, 11th? Who got 10th? Oh, Jeff Ward. Shit! No way! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I wasn't getting lapped. Apparently, he must have fell early on or something, because oh, wow. he passed me four positions. So, uh, that was a good lesson life lesson i didn't Definitely. let that happen in, anymore
1: so uh uh all the stories i heard about you racing the nationals on an older suzuki
0: what era was that so that was so i tried that one in 82 or did that one in 82 mm-hmm. bike broke in second moto just you uh-huh. know, just because it always does yeah um so yeah i didn't do anything in 83 because you know kind of job and this and that and you know trying to race locally and all that well then in 1984 the blessing was i got laid off they had this big cut through my Mm -hmm. this company i worked for and uh so the 40 percent of the staff got laid off so i'm like "Hmm, okay what am i going to do and mike buyer who if anybody remembers in that same year got third in the outdoor nationals 125 class number 99 um so we were like training buddies and we'd live near each other. So he said, hey, we're going to Gainesville for the first national. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't think I can go. And he's like, come on, just, you know, you can drive with us. And so I went to Gainesville for the opening round of the outdoor nationals, 1984, again, by myself. You know, Mm -hmm. no mechanic. You know, it was just Mike and his mechanic, Ted Cabral. And and Ted goes, oh, don't worry. You know, you guys probably won't be in the same heat race. And, you know, I can kind of help both of you and this and that sure enough we're in the same heat race and we go one two we battled the whole way oh yeah mike won i got second so then first moto he's like okay yeah don't worry you know you guys will probably be far sure enough 20 minutes into the first moto he and i are like battling with each other and so that's what Ted's joke was. I just put the pit board out once. You guys can both yeah. read it. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, And then the longstanding joke, you know, this was like 40 years ago, because however like 84, 30-something years ago, um, was I had a chance to pass Mike on the last lap, and I didn't because I needed a ride home from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> that was the joke. But, uh, yeah, I got fifth in my first outdoor national just with a okay, a, so a now beater I- bike and uh, no mechanic. <laughs>
1: Now, in this day and age, if someone showed up at their first race and got fifth, they'd show up at the next race. In a a semi? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A
0: little different. It was just different back then. Just different back then. And, you know, there was certainly even more guys. You know, I mean, I remember going to, I think it was Binghamton that year. Mm -hmm. It was over 120 entries. The motos didn't start till 2 o'clock because they had so many qualifiers in the morning. So there's definitely plenty of guys, but it was just a little bit different in that everyone didn't have, you know, 15 years of Loretta's in their back pocket before they showed up. Yeah. So, you know, we, we all just did whatever we could to be as prepared and fast and mm-hmm. whatever as we could. But, yeah, there was definitely a, a, a difference. You know, there was the works bikes and the, those guys, you know, I think that year, O'Mara and Wardy, went one two in every moto mm-hmm. you know so then it was like the battle for all the sort of b level teams which i guess is kind of what there is now yeah you know you got the star racing and, and rock river. you know and, and rock river and you've got you know troy lee's even though the kind of the factory effort because that's what it was then like mike Byer, yeah. he was yamaha's effort even though he was still basically did they not have a a factory team no they didn't Uh, and none of i mean like suzuki's factory you know they're all box vans rick ryan and aj whiting and uh i think kehoe you know so i mean there, every company had their three or four guys but it just was a little bit different it wasn't um works by that was right in that transition of going away from works bikes mm. so i know like amara and warty those were full-on works bikes yeah. but the yamahas were production based suzuki's were production yeah, based yamaha did it
1: before yeah. the production rules yeah
0: because rick johnson you know he had to uh, well he won his championship on basically a production bike yeah. for yamaha and so yeah it, yamaha did i think they just looked at the price tag and went oh you know i think we can do this early the mm-hmm. <laughs> spending you know um boatload of money but yeah they definitely had great equipment that was back when honda was the company yeah i know they're kind of almost coming back around to having that image but yeah back then it was that was the glory ride
1: (laughs) now were you a o'neill rider from the very start
0: no, actually, my first real money in professional racing was from gear, Gear, wear. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember, remember styrofoam to teach you about pants? That, yeah. not. No, uh, what Foam was it? Pants. Foam pants. Yeah. used
1: yeah. to ask you if you have to wash them in <clears throat> gas, like your air filter. Yeah, like
0: my air filter. But uh, yeah, so that was my first professional money in racing. I think I got five hundred bucks or uh-huh. seven hundred fifty bucks or something to wear that stuff. And but, hey, that stuff was kind of ahead of its time, right? Because like the pants were four-way stretch right because mm-hmm. you know, and you know they had some cool vintage stuff and i mean the i think the effort was there but yeah they just didn't quite keep it together and, yeah. and you know grow as they should have and so yeah but it still exists in some way i mean isn't that what the parent company is for uh the t-shirts at the yeah t-shirts right? at the national because yeah. i think that was
1: it's funny I, you know i, I think i was just a pain in ross's ass the whole time when i was first starting because I liked everything that he deemed goofy. Mm. You know, if you thought like, that, Ross, that gear stuff's cool. He'd be like, <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> that stuff's ignorant. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so my, my very first pair of riding pants on my three-wheeler were O'Neill ultralight pants. Mm. But uh, But so I am working on a story right now. About the 50-year anniversary of O'Neill. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like you've been I've with I've been O'Neill there like 47 for whole, yeah. of those 50 years. <laughs> but so, like, how long were you in gear before? So
0: gear was my whole rookie year, 84, mm-hmm. and then uh, 85 as well. And that was kind of the the switch. Partway through 85 is when um, I got off the Suzuki's slash Cowie's because I had – I, I Three different bikes that year. Really? Yeah, because I started on like one of Jody's. No, nah, I started on one of Jody's magazine bikes. <coughs> went to mm-hmm. Gainesville in 85 because, you know, 84 my rookie year. I mean, I had motos where, you know, I was top 10. The, my, my Millville moto that, you know, if that story goes on and on, I passed out. But I just passed into third place. Mm-hmm. And uh, two-lap board, second moto. I got sixth the first moto, so I probably could have podiumed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just fried. Really? You know, much like a lot of you saw a lot of people do yeah, last okay, weekend so at WW. It's at, funny. Uh, we were talking w- about w- you. W- yeah.
1: We were speaking about you <clears throat> in the uh, in this past Monday's Kickstart podcast, right? Mm. Uh, uh, Carson Mumford came on. And he was talking about, because he's roommates with Cameron McAdoo. Oh, okay. And he was talking about how McAdoo said he crossed the finish line, don't remember anything. You yeah, know?
0: no, I was standing but, right there. I was like gonna help start helping take his boots and stuff because i've been there yeah so, i've been that guy laying on the ground
1: rossi told me early on i remember because i remember i was pouring water on my jersey right before some race and he goes no don't do that that's ignorant and i was like well why And, he goes, and later he told me that he was doug had like uh, a battle with like heat exhaustion and he did a lot of research on it and he's he's pretty knowledgeable about that subject and how yeah. to prepare and what's good and bad so
0: yeah it was just you don't really want to wet your jury especially in those older days when they're cotton in yeah. that because then they lay on you and they don't allow the sweat to cool your body as well mm-hmm. so all the new stuff all these you know composites and weird fabrics are a little bit better you know you could pour a little water down your neck because you really what the goal is to get the core temperature down. You know that's yeah. why these guys got fans on them before they're putting their helmet on, and don't mm-hmm. put their helmet on the real late because you're just trying to keep that core temperature as low as you can. Because yeah. it's like a car boiling over. You know, once that core temperature hits so much, it's just releasing so much fluid to try mm-hmm. and get it back down that you just you run into like a hole in the radiator. Yeah. And then along with all those fluids escaping is you know all your minerals, yeah, everything, potassiums and you know everything it's going out so it's so hard to get back in yeah so uh, yeah it's that's yeah I, I was standing right there at the finish line because uh yusuke got his first ama point so i was so, so pumped oh nice kind of walking over there and that guy's impervious to heat uh-huh it's just crazy he's like Amic. Emig. emig was that way you know that guy you turn up the heat and the humidity and all of a sudden he's like superstar, you know, <laughs> where yeah. just normal conditions that first year when he ended up winning the title.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he was just average. And then as soon as it got hot,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, he
0: starts winning. So uh, yeah, he was definitely a guy that could just, however his, you know, genetics were, he could handle that heat. And that's kind of what this Japanese guy is, Yusuke yeah. uh, Watanabe. But anyway, so I go over there to like congratulate him and I see McAdoo come off because he was maybe 10th or something that mm-hmm. first moto, I don't know, somewhere yeah. around there. But I just see him he's like wobbling i'm going oh man i know what he's going through and then it would stop boom on the ground i'd kind of looked away for a minute to make sure that use was going to finish i look back and yeah he's on the ground and they're trying to tear his boots off and i'm like oh, i'll just stand back i don't want to go over there and get yeah. in the middle of that but yeah that was yeah too close to home for me so your your experience then you did you pass out on the track yeah so what i did it's funny guy cooper can tell the story better than me because i just he was the last guy i passed to get into third Uh and he said i rode it was back in the sand wash somewhere i'd already got the two lap board so it was back there and he said i just kind of slowed down like i was heading for the shade tree he said i just pulled up to this tree laid my bike down and just laid on the ground and so i woke up in the ambulance about it 30 40 minutes later just packed in ice yeah and i thought i didn't know what was going on i thought i'd broke both my leg. I didn't know what was going yeah, on yeah. I wake up I'm wiggling my toes I'm moving my arm I'm like oh wait everything feels pretty good uh-huh. and then the nurse or whatever is like oh you're awake oh good so I guess I was out for a long time wow. so
1: but, you don't just recover from that in a couple days right it's, no you become no. more vulnerable to- you
0: do become more vulnerable and it's a tough thing when you cook that severely it's tough to recover you know because i you know, i paid the price guy cooper and i were kind of battling for the rookie of the year that year for yeah. round seventh <clears throat> and uh, dropping that moto getting no points there and then there was two more rounds colorado and washugal mm-hmm. and i was i had the energy of a small dog i mean i was yeah. just i had no strength no power i just kind of cruised around and getting 15th in yeah. those last four motos because i just like there was nothing i could do to recover and because the, they were the next two weekends right in a row yeah so, so I don't know it'd be interesting to see like a McAdoo and some of these other guys yeah, that right. suffered last week how they're going to fare yeah definitely this uh, this weekend at Southwick and uh, you know I know it's not supposed to be as hot but I think it's still supposed to be pretty steamy mm-hmm. you know the the ranch was extra steamy but you know Southwick I I cooked there too two years later I, it was funny because Burnworth was the Omaha guy uh-huh. that year and I was just a privateer kid riding out of the innovation sports box van yeah <clears throat> i just i rode my brains out to pass him it was for like six or something mm-hmm. it was you know good moto for me but it was one of those hot days and i pull in and i'm wobbling around a bevo grabs me come on let's take him to the showers. i'm like that sounds good to me that cold water hit me out really out cold just i mean this the sky went black and i was done Wow. So, yeah, is that something can that, that, is that
1: some? Is heat something that you struggle with throughout your career?
0: Yeah, and I don't know if it was because of that first, first time. time. You know, I, I will never know because that was my first year doing it, yeah, and then yeah, every yeah. year after that. And I, yeah, eventually, so one other time at uh, Redbud, I finished the moto, everything was good, but I couldn't keep anything down, you know, because mm-hmm. I started to get better at recognizing and backing yeah. it off a little bit. But, um, so yeah that was the third time and and then my my uh final year on yamaha in 93 troy ohio i did okay you know i was on 125 because it was the second half and all the 500 you know that whole thing so i don't know i got maybe a 10th or something in the first moto and Mm -hmm. whenever when the horn went off everyone's getting dressed to go down the line i just looked keith mccarter straight in the face and i said that's not going to do any of us any good for me to get dressed and go out there so i knew because it i could have faked it for 15 minutes maybe 20 minutes but you know i would have been in the hospital and i wouldn't have finished anyway so yeah you kind of start to get a, a sense you know and that's you know part of my ignorance i guess my desire to win or you know do my best i was able my brain was able to outlast my body Uh you know i was able to push myself to a point that you know i was just delirious and looked for a shade tree according to guy cooper (laughs) all right no uh no
1: uh conversation of this nature with you would be complete without addressing 91 san jose supercross so (laughs) uh, i love the the story it
0: was just for somebody apparently i don't follow Legends and Heroes, but they posted on the 15th of this uh-huh. month that, that win with this picture of the Cycle News from it. So, yeah, yeah, that was uh, a good year. What was that? yeah? So 24 years ago whatever? 91? 90, no, 28, 28 years 01, ago.
1: 11. 29 years ago.
0: Yeah. A yeah. couple.
1: Yeah, just a few. Just a yeah, few? Yeah, it's funny. I was at Cycle News <laughs> then, and... You know, there's no internet or... That was even before one 800 well, I was in, gonna in say, Yeah, right? uh, well,
0: gosh, what was his name? I can't think of... Glenn. That was before Glenn? Yeah, yeah that was before uh, then. But, I mean, yeah,
1: <clears throat> I came in Monday, and I'm like, Hey, kid, who won? He's all, Doug Dubok.
0: <laughs> and I all, oh, really? That's cool.
1: But yeah. uh, I enjoyed the story that you wrote, so tell us that for people who may have not read that.
0: Well, <clears throat> you know, that... That whole night was, the whole day, the whole night was quite just an event, an evening with, you know, there's so many little details I won't bore everyone with, but yeah, just, you know, it was one of those nights, I remember Keith McCarty saying to me after practice, he goes, if you can go through that set of whoops like that, you're going to make a lot of money tonight, because he knew (laughs) I was always the starving privateer guy, even when I was on the factory team, you know, I got paid about one-tenth what Damon did (laughs) salary-wise, but um <clears throat> so I did that always that stuck in my head all night and I was I what however I had it figured out there was I mean they were huge for that day on the, yeah. you know level of motorcycle and I was able to get through there and skim them and nobody else really could uh-huh. and that ended up obviously making me a lot of money that night yeah. you know I I had the, the the good fortune of coop and uh chicken kind of carrying on their uh, their little scrimmage from the week before because yeah. so a little more backstory is I got hurt in San Diego. So I missed eight rounds or something like that. So Mm -hmm. my first round back was Oklahoma city Mm -hmm. the week before. And I was within kind of eye shot of that. I was a little few guys between us, but I watched that go down Mm -hmm. where, you know, chicken just can clean coop off, you know, in his hometown. I'm surprised he didn't get knifed in the parking lot. But so then I'm, and that didn't really enter my mind, but I remember seeing those two, out front, and I actually didn't get my patented hole shot. I think I got a fifth or a sixth place start, and uh-huh. I passed, you know, Stanton and the Ward brothers, unrelated Jeff and Larry. Yeah. But uh, so I got into third. and I'm like, okay, okay, you know, and I, I just kept spotting those guys, and that was that was the pit in my stomach. You know, I could see them like I was in the air over the triple, and they were in the little 180 after it. Yeah, you know, so I couldn't see them as I approached the triple, but as I kept spotting them, I'm like, oh, come on, come on, come on, and so I was hoping one of them would, you know, take the other one out and that yeah. would move me up a spot. Well, yeah. so I saw this kind of melee, you know, I saw a white flag, yellow flag, and I come over that and I could have swore I only saw one bike down. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah, it finally happened. You know, it's funny because you play all these games, yeah. you know, you know, what's likely going to happen. So little section, another little section, I hit that triple and I look to that 180 and it's empty. There's nobody in that 180 and oh. I'm like, holy crap. Well, then... About one straightaway later, because it was Stanton was behind me, because I passed him early on. He was behind me the whole time, uh-huh. and I knew Stanton's, you know, engine tone, everything. So I hit this little step over where it's kind of quiet. As soon as I land, I hear a whole different engine. Yeah, and it was Damon. I uh-huh. knew it was Damon, and I'm like, you know. And then you go back and watch the video. You know, he got stuck in the gate, and he passed every single guy on that yeah. racetrack except me. Thank God. But uh, so that whole thing was. So I come, and you can see it. I, I actually have the cool video that uh, John R. shot from the top uh-huh. of the stadium. Uh-huh. And you can just see, I think every last person in that stadium was on their feet just going crazy because Damon runs Stanton nearly into the side of the under, part of the over-under. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, <clears throat> so I could hear over this next little section, a little double or step on something, triple. And I, I'm like, oh, no. And then, so his last lap. Yeah. I had to get through those whoops. Of course, it was my worst time through the whoops uh-huh. because – I'd done the math it took me I don't know lap times about 50 seconds to go wait I'm leading yeah. and I'm about you know 50 yards from the checkered flag and I got Damon behind me this is not the best situation to yeah. be in so uh, I managed to keep him uh, you know behind me and that was obviously a, a great night you know I mean you can play it out however you want and oh this guy went down and you're lucky or you know whatever. But yeah i don't know who who's the guy that says all the time maybe Carmichael. you got to be in it to win it you know there's no one hands you anything yeah and uh so that was obviously a great night for me and emig won the 125 class and damon got second so the three of us did about as good as you could do in a single night of racing for yamaha so yeah that was uh that was that was pretty sweet And I, i swear to this day damon was happier that i won that race than I was. That's awesome. Uh, he was, I mean, he was, we went to some, you know, 24, probably Denny's or something at two in the morning by yeah. the time everything settled down. And he's calling his mom, which is probably four in the morning, yeah. screaming in the phone that I won the race. So I yeah. yeah, was pretty cool. You know, he and I, through all the years of, you know, he was just a pain in everybody's ass, mine included. But uh, I think we became good friends throughout that whole yeah. thing.
1: That's cool. Well, hey, let's take another quick break. Uh, we'll be back with more with Dr. D. D.
0: Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately, I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer, and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble, and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So, yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails, or if you want to go a bit further longer and faster they they just brought out a new taser e-bike which is uh, yeah everyone's given the double thumbs up on so head down to your local intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at intensecycles.com check it out guys
1: all right we're back with the swap motor life podcast presented by fly racing with doug Dubach. so we just talked about san diego or san jose supercross um How did the transition to test rider, R&D rider? First, it was factory test rider, right, for the team?
0: So, yeah, like I began kind of my Yamaha career, 85. Even though I started on a YZ85 and that, I kind of wobbled around just trying to find my way and get some support. And then the end of 1985, I got Yamahas. And then partway through the next year, and Ed Scheidler tells a story just about every time I call him on the phone, which is about (laughs) twice a year. Uh, since his retirement but yeah uh, you know you pastured me on my bumper you know he would go up as like the yamaha support guy at mammoth so i remember i went and sat on his bumper i'm like ed because i knew like jimmy hawley was doing some testing mike byers a few maybe Welchell, there's a few guys that were getting some testing days and i want the money yeah so i'm like come on ed give me a chance i'll i'll work all day I'll, i'll work harder than anyone for you and blah 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 so he loves to repeat that story to me. <laughs> I was the best day of my life. You know, you helped me so much in my all my years there and, and blah, blah. So so I started doing some testing for Scheidler. Mm-hmm. But right around that time, I started getting some parts through Yamaha, like the end of 86. I remember I rode a uh, one of those goofy Mickey Thompson races at well, L.A. Ultra Coliseum.
1: Ultracross. With, with the streamers on your back.
0: And they gave me, like not Brock's bike but like some good forks and good suspension and Uh good wheels and everything and I was like oh wow this is like sick and Steve Butler had just started working for me and uh so anyways it was weird I like felt like oh this is cool and then I had some good input back like John R well how'd you like it and this and that and so just it sort of spawned from there where I was able to communicate well and i don't know if it's just because i grew yeah. up in that atmosphere you know with everything mechanical around me being from a drag racing family and all that but mm-hmm. i understood the mechanics of how things worked, and so it just opened a lot of doors and so they almost started right around the same time so i was doing a bunch of work for ed and then i became john r's little guinea pig you know because john r would you know he would change uh, you know one little shim okay go try that yeah, yeah and we would be you know sun up the sun down at that old deanza supercross track mm-hmm. just burn and lapse because i would do it you know most of the other guys would show up about the same time they'd all be gone by noon
1: mm-hmm. and
0: i'd still be there till the sun went down and so i became john r's like go-to guy which really helped open doors for me to become you know fully supported by the factory because i just i got along with everyone and i think yeah. i was you know aside of my racing abilities just my you know, my willingness to work and, uh, you know, testing mm-hmm. abilities really kind of helped me along the way. So, yeah, and that they used to always give me a hard time. Oh, you know, you're a whore. You, know, you work both sides of the hallway because testing was on one side and racing was on the other. But, no, it was – I mean, just what a great, you know, opportunity to have just to be able to be – that involved with all sides of it because i i got to do all the production testing so i got to ride every color every bike everything and then i got to do the racing side mm-hmm. so that was it was just really cool for me and then you know as years went by and and then that when the yz 400 came you know i was in like the perfect position for that i was yeah. like the lead yeah. test rider at that point so i got involved in that thing from the very first day almost and uh yeah, uh, the rest is history, I guess, as they did, say. Did
1: you, have to, uh, did you have to, like, learn how a four-stroke motocross bike should work? I mean, because, like, they weren't prevalent at all. Uh, I mean, yeah. Were, yeah. If someone was racing a four-stroke. It was for the four-stroke nationals, and they were building up an XR or something. You yeah, know? yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah. It's funny, because when I first heard of that project, <clears throat> the first thing – or I, I couldn't get it out of my brain – Spud Walters on an XR400 popping and farting and and looking. It just looks so heavy to ride and it just looks so bad. I'm like, really? That's what Yamaha wants to build? I'm like, no. But arguably, the first time we got it, and of course, you know, it was like lobbing softballs in. We took it to Carlsbad on a dry, slippery day. Yeah. so the thing was magical we're like well this thing's really good you know you took it somewhere else or even in the morning when it had traction you're like well this thing's kind of slow and heavy but um yeah yeah as the track got more and more slippery it really really started to to shine but it was decent right away and then it became really really good within the next couple trips you know we'd see it about every three or four months and Mm -hmm. ride it and, and then the same thing you know i was on the other side of the hallway helping with Doug Henry's bike, some mm-hmm. setup and just testing, you know, whether engine or suspension or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it was certainly a, a learning curve that was just about vertical trying to, yeah. you know, kind of to address your question. I was, Not like you had to relearn anything. I mean, I started on an XR75. I started on a cat minibike, which was a four-stroke, and then I went to an XR75. So I had that, you know, deep in my my, uh, DNA. But um, so it wasn't as impossible or difficult. But, you know, Supercross really became the difficult thing because of the engine braking. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, they've long since overcome all that. But I remember— Isn't it funny to
1: think now about the early days of four-stroke and all the things he did to, like, the slipper clutches and all that? Mm Mm-hmm. And just think about how good they are now. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, there's not a bad stock
0: bike now. I know, I know.
1: But I, I have like really fond memories of the YZ400F. Like, was it a 400F for two years? Two years, yeah. Two years, 98, okay, so like,
0: 99, then 2000 was the 426. Yeah,
1: okay. Because like as soon as we went to 426, I didn't like it anymore. Like to me, it was like too violent, too fast. <laughs> yeah, but like the 400 was so cool. But the, the funny thing is, like, we got the 400F, and uh, you know, there's no internet back then, so it was, wasn't like people could learn about it that way. So I was like, going to uh, Lemon Grove Motocross Park that weekend to go ride with my buddies, and I had been riding a YZ250 that year anyway, so I like put put the same number on it and everything. And I remember like rolling, taking it. And I just was giggling. I couldn't wait to like. I was going to let my buddy Darren – you know Darren Nishimura. Mm-hmm, yeah. I was going to let him get out on the track first, and I was going to pass him on a four-stroke. And it was just – I had it all planned out in my head, you know. Like, I, <laughs> I, I didn't start my bike up until he went out and the road and all that, but that bike was awesome, man. Yeah,
0: it was very, very good. I yeah. mean, from right out of the crate, you know, a little heavy, a little this, a little that. I mean, hard to start if you didn't know the the drill. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was – really impressive how good that bike was first year just yeah. f- from where it began because like henry's factory bike was t- too much copy of a two-stroke geometry everything mm-hmm. nobody knew but yeah. you know as it evolved into the production bike and started moving things around foot peg location and you know just weight distribution and man we we got that bike early on very very good yeah except I, the starting of course yeah oh god <laughs> that compression release well, and the funny the- thing is it was so simple, but if you knew, but no, yeah. and none of the dealers must have listened to the service guys that tried to train them because yeah. I remember going to a Golden State at uh, what was the the Fly Factory was it Rainbow or you know out there oh, in Hammett oh, oh, oh. uh, it was just flies everywhere competition park yeah comp park That's yeah. <clears throat> and so I'm riding like regular pro and vet pro and um, on that bike that day and I remember just it was cold it was probably uh. 40 degrees in the morning and these guys come over to my truck sweating i can't get this thing started and i'm like i'd walk over there fire it up for yeah. a kick and they're yeah. like ready to punch me and i'm like no yeah. oh, it's really it's not that hard and then go well, i had to walk up and down the pro start gate and start like three other bikes beside really? mine yeah oh that's awesome and then i just went and beat them all anyway but <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice hey so that just uh i don't know why but it reminded me i've got a segment brought to us by bell helmets the bell helmets bench racing session oh uh -oh. okay so we have to get up on the bench now or can we stay in these chairs we can still stay here so for this though let's address yusuke watanabe right so Mm -hmm. doug is is for many years now right several years helped uh this kid yusuke watanabe from japan and he went on to win the uh, ia2 which is the 250 national championship in japan in 2017 i believe right and his bonus clause was to come race in the U.S. if if he won the title. So he came in 18 and under your wing, and he ended up on 3D racing.
0: Yeah, yeah. The first year it was yeah. 3D racing,
1: and he's with Rock River Cycle Trader this year. Yeah, right?
0: yeah. Rock River Cycle Trader. So, uh, how did you become involved with USK? And uh, so it was kind of a funny sort of a series of events because yeah i dabble with some motocross schools just friends asking and whatnot Mm -hmm. and it's kind of still almost the same way um but i was in japan testing and sat in this final meeting well that subject came up in that meeting and at that point they had uh travis preston you know kind of earmarked for that job Mm -hmm. well then on the train back out to the airport to Narita I was talking to Butler and I said oh that'd be kind of cool to be involved in something like that you know I'd like doing that stuff and just sort of that was it so then about a month later some things had changed it was kind of Travis I think he was things were just changing for him and um He couldn't do it full, like, you know, house him and drive him to the track. He just wanted to, like, meet the guy at the track and train him. Well, they needed a lot more than that, so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny. So kind of this commitment to Travis stayed, but they asked me, hey, can you do this part of it? And I Mm -hmm. said, oh, yeah, sure. So we kind of dual-trained him. You know, he'd train with him a couple days of the week and me a couple days of the week, and then just – Travis ended up going to work for Yamaha full time, so that kind of took him out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And this was just winter training, you know, two months in the winter time. So then everything was good, you know, I went to Japan and did some schools for their Blue Crew guys and yeah. some of that stuff, and then helped Yusuke for uh, a race over there as well. So that went on a couple years, and I would always go to Japan, do schools for all their Blue Crew guys, and then help mm-hmm. Yusuke while I was there and uh he just started getting better and better and better and then in 17 he won the championship and Mm -hmm. so it was kind of a a loose handshake agreement that he could do because i told him they take this big six week break (coughs) six seven week break in the summer send him over i'll take him to a couple nationals that'll be the best thing for him no 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 and then oh if he can win the title we'll let him come yeah so then all of a sudden it's like yeah you know, don't let him get his feet wet, just throw him in the deep end. So, you know, here he's seeing all these tracks for the first time, yeah. and, you know, meeting up with 40 very fast guys all at the same time. So, yeah, that was last year was quite a big learning curve for him mm-hmm. because the way they lay it out. And, you know, I don't have all the answers to make it better, but just the current situation is. Take Yusuke Watanabe, Japanese guy, did not grow up around here, doesn't know any of these tracks. He has to Man, learn it in 20 minutes. No, no, he has to learn it in like four and a half minutes because oh, yeah, your, yeah. First, your first practice is typically the fastest. Yeah. Rarely is the second one faster because yeah. the track gets beat up. So you got two free laps because it's 15 minutes, but the first five are not on time. Mm-hmm. So then the green flag comes out about your third lap out there, and then you've got about three more laps before the checkered flag comes out. So in those three laps, you got two free ones. Yeah. You yeah. got to know, say Unadilla, what's on the backside of these freestyle ramps <laughs> into the abyss, you yeah. know, and just yeah. and you got to you know become a local in those two laps and know which angle to hit it, get it mm. scrub, get it down where it's wet, where you know. I mean, you talk about sensory overload. So, because yeah. um, that compress yeah That's it's just a compressor? a compressor it'll turn off in a moment it all gives right. you that real you know it's industrial shop, feel yeah um but so yeah i just <laughs> i just felt so bad for him the whole year you know he got a couple press days you know yeah. and uh so those help but still he's going to all these tracks totally blind yeah getting two free laps and okay now lay the heater down you know, by the way, there's a whole bunch of other guys that are, you know, pretty close to your level. they have ridden here about a thousand times, yeah. so good luck. So is it going better for him this year? Yeah. Because he's ridden the tracks. Yeah, and, you know, he had an injury that he missed a couple races in the middle. So mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee, which is not on the schedule, so that's not a big deal. But Southwick this weekend and mm. uh, also Red He went and he watched, but he still hasn't, you know, put yeah. a knobby on either of those two tracks. So, you know... the but he's a little more relaxed you know he was starstruck puckered (laughs) i mean you name it they they all fit because that was a a big culture shock to go from your you know your little world that you've lived in excelled in grew up Mm -hmm. in and you know you've mastered to this whole another universe oh yeah i mean dude i mean
1: we've both been to them the japanese nationals are kind of like a big weekend at the transworld series
0: right yeah yeah it's a, oh, well, and i, I mean there's some I good swap. <clears throat> yeah swap. Yeah, that other thing that's ancient yeah um but you know and nothing against any of the riders or the effort or the factories or any of that but it's just a different yeah. scene you know the tracks are all a bit smaller and you know they run all the amateurs everything it is it's like a big it's like an old golden state mm-hmm. but you know much smaller because old golden states were <laughs> yeah. even earlier than the yeah, nationals yeah, back right? in the day but Hey, yeah. Does you scare watch, yeah. like,
1: GoPro videos from the previous year to, to get a – That's
0: what we – we've done that from the very beginning, you know, because yeah. that's – my kid's all about that, you know. He goes yeah. and finds things when he's got to go to Utah and ride some Loretta Qualifier or something, you know. He's mm, all into that it. stuff. And yeah. <clears throat> So it, that's actually a really good tool because you can get – I mean, that's what we did for the WW Ranch, you know. Arguably, nobody had really been there, so we – and uh, my kid knows how to find all that stuff. So, yeah, he pulled up all these. Oh, this guy's pretty fast, you know, at the regional or the way, whatever. And so we got a bunch of stuff. So, I, I have to imagine it helped Yusuke immensely to know yeah. what's on the backside of that hill or the backside of this hill. And,
1: Definitely. But, yeah, it's. So, he scored his first national <clears throat> point in Florida.
0: Yes. Yeah, he was in 20th, and then on the last lap, his teammate decided to chuck it away. So, he actually got 19th. So he Nice. Got, double the points and just one mistake by his teammate but you know it's <clears throat> that is such a difficult class i think this year is even tougher than last yeah and it's funny at hangtown we went to this autograph thing they do over at a mall and they had this poster board and mm-hmm. i took a picture of it And i didn't show it to Uskay, but i talked about it with carter i'm like look at that you, know, you list the geico guys the star guys the troy lee guys the pc guys the husky guys you know and all of a sudden you got 24 pretty yeah. seriously supported guys mm-hmm. not to mention some of these super fast privateer guys that are jumping mm-hmm. in there and are you know have done it before and just all all of a sudden you got 30 guys that are very very fast it can get points and they do i mean you look at some of these other three digit guys they're yeah. sneaking in with an 18th here and a 20th there and so i mean there is like some very very serious i think arguably five deeper than it was last year Mm -hmm. and so i'm happy to see that he's actually in a very similar you know numerically finishes than he was last year which means to me he is actually getting more relaxed and able to ride closer to his full potential so it's how
1: difficult was it him living at your house when he barely spoke any english was that a lot first of, uh, year iphone stuff a little
0: or? bit you know he tried really hard and the first year was difficult but uh, he worked really hard when he went back home so when he came back second year it was much better yeah and uh but i guess one of the little components that helped him was he brought his mechanic the second year mm-hmm. and kind of between the three of us we would work out what we, what needed to be said yeah. and what was going on but now he's very very good and uh you know his mechanics coming along, and and he's getting there. It's funny. He, I don't know if anyone knows Monty Python. If you know that the Holy Grail movie, where they they stand there and they talk to the guards. Okay, yeah, and you don't leave. You know, the only you know keep him here, and you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the guy turns to walk away, and the guards follow him. Yeah. This like oh, the whole thing they didn't understand a word. So that's yeah. that's kind of the joke in our house. I'll sit there and tell him, okay this this wheel and that you know and then put that tire and this that and that that okay and the whole time he's like, yeah. hold on yeah 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 we turn then walk away he follows me it's like no no no. you're supposed to pick up that wheel and that tire yeah. and that sprocket and bring it over here you know it's like yeah 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 Pfft. follows me straight out oh, the building man. so we have a good time though they're uh, you know everyone's they're they work hard you know yeah. that that guy he really wants to be you know successful here and then ultimately he'll return back to japan on a 450 and uh pick up there and see if he can he you know match racing. narita's 420 different yeah. titles So in 2021 he'll be ra- or
1: 2020 he'll be racing <laughs>
0: but that's still on the fence but uh that that's a it was two to three year deal so this is mm-hmm. the second year so we're not sure what's going to happen if he'll stay another year and maybe ride 450 here or if he'll you know go back and ride 450 in japan yeah
1: Maybe you should try to talk him into keeping him here one more year so that Narita Narita can
0: win his, like, it would be his 14th title at 40 years old. (laughs) (laughs) He's tired of me giving him a hard time, so I I stopped picking on him anymore. But, yeah, I mean, that was so awesome. I was there at Sugo when he won this last one. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, (laughs) you make your own luck, and and I'd rather be lucky than good any day. And he got lucky on that one, but – you know, you got to be in there. The it wasn't the parade lap. First lap of the moto. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, I'm like, oh, I don't see how I'm looking around, looking around. And yeah. uh, never came around. Then we, we see, you know, them little tiny flatbed trucks that are about as big as a TTR 110. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, coming back to. with that Honda on the back of it all bent up. And I'm just like, no way. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, yeah it was great. But, now, I love it because... It wasn't the only moto. There was a yeah. whole bunch of other ones that led up to that, so he deserved that title Definitely. just as much as any of the other ones. Yeah.
1: You know, it's kind of weird, speaking about the Japanese series, is that, like, well, this year marks the first year that Bell Helmets is actually in Japan because there's an importer now. Mm. But isn't it kind of weird how, like, you'll see guys racing in Fox gear with an Arai helmet? Fox gear, Shoei helmet. Like, any, everyone only wears Showy. Fo- Showy or, or Arai. Or... or all right there's no troy lee helmets there's no nothing else but uh um hirata this year i was i follow him on instagram mm-hmm. he's like showed a picture of a bell helmet i'm all Whoa. and i texted him bell are you are you racing in china again because he raced. In china, i know Russia. i know yeah we've we and yeah he, uh, he's like no in japan but i was like you're wearing a bell and he said yeah there's an importer now mm. but yeah so on that yeah. bell note that concludes the bell racing bench racing session but uh dude i'm having too much fun can we keep going with this yeah 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 okay, we okay, got, let's uh, take another quick break and uh we'll be back for one last segment
0: what's up this is christian craig as a motocross racer being in top physical shape is a must and
1: my favorite way to train is cycling and whether it's road biking or mountain biking i rely on roy's cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota Escondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Hey, welcome back to the Swap Moto Live podcast presented by Fly Racing. Still here in Norco with Doug Dubois. Still here. (laughs) The this guy just won't shut up. <laughs> All right, so DRD, Doctor D Dubach Racing Development Exhaust, uh, you had a unique insight to uh, what made the uh, YZF's work, and then you launched your own company and mm-hmm. branched out into everything else. And it was kind of weird when the four-stroke revolution came out. It seemed like so many four stroke pipe companies showed up right like is like is it harder to make a two stroke pipe because there was only bills pro circuit fmf and like no lean say right and then some strange little yeah dsp or yeah yeah but then like four strokes came out and then you had like thunder alley and big thunder
0: alley yeah it's funny you say thunder alley because that brings a whole nother (laughs) little story to mind that Little Saddleback tube or whatever they called that place. Yeah. yeah. So apparently, I, I didn't even realize it. I, this guy was riding around. This pipe was so loud. I was just like, "Oh my gosh, what is that thing?" So I I went over. He was parked five spots down from me. I went over and I looked at it. I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, it looks like the guy made it in his garage. Yeah. You know, I didn't say anything to him. I just kind of walked away. <coughs> And then somebody told me, this was, like, very early social media stuff. Yeah. And somebody said, oh, yeah, on you know, what would have been, MySpace or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this guy that owns Thunder Alley was saying, because my company was just, you know, in its infancy then. And oh, he yeah, said that you were you know, checking like, it out. <laughs> yeah, like, the the owner of Dubach Racing himself came over to, you know, try and catch a glimpse of our advanced you know, technologies and the yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I was just trying to see if that thing, like, it broke off because yeah. it was so if loud. There's packing in it at all. <laughs> If there was any packing in it. But so it's funny you say Thunder Alley, but kind of to answer your question, I think, you know, two-stroke technology, it's a little bit of black magic, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you, you factor in that you got to buy all these stamps. So you got to kind of make sure it's right
1: mm-hmm. before
0: you go and spend the money stamping yeah. it and all that. It was just enough that it wasn't something for everyone yeah well so then long come a four stroke all you got to do is know a guy that has a tube bender Mm -hmm. and uh go pay you know a couple thousand bucks for some tooling at the local extrusion place Mm -hmm. you know hit up wesley at procom for some stampings and you're a four stroke specialist yeah you know so it was all just so easy to do and most of those guys were very very bad at it in the beginning and that's You know the the story behind me is I was involved with a lot of different people at that time. You know I was racing for White Brothers, and I was still helping Mitch back Mm. when Mitch told me that four strokes will never be a race bike. (laughs) Those those are just trail bikes. Um, But so you know it just everybody was in a really weird place with that stuff. You like White Brothers, they just had big megaphone stuff because you know they really didn't know much, and so. Yeah, I was came home one day complaining because I had spent all week testing, with the White Brothers, mm-hmm. and then we go to the Phoenix Supercross when it was at the college. What was that stadium? Oh, Sun Devils. Yeah, I think Sun Devils. But <clears throat> and they put on this thing right off of their you know inventory, some weird pipe, and uh-huh. I'm like, uh, we tested all week. What's going on here? Yeah. Well, no, it has to have you know those little those discs discs in it and it's got to be the megaphone with discs and i'm like yeah "Yeah, we pretty much ruled that out you know like on tuesday don't ever put that on the bike again so i was venting and you know it's like oh these people they just you know there was such a big disconnect because i've been a factory guy for years and Mm -hmm. a factory tester and all that and i just knew how critical that setup was that you know it's got to be good on the racetrack kind of a approach yeah and then these guys are hey as long as it's got a cool sticker on it you know that that's all you know put it in a good box and put our name really big on the side of it you know those are the important things (laughs) so that's kind of what drove me to uh start my company just because it was very frustrating at that point you know there was people that had money and wanted to make money through the industry obviously and Mm -hmm. then you know you had others that were just kind of bad no interest you know those things will never go anywhere so it was yeah kind of a opportunity for me and it was funny when my wife said you should just make your own i just scoffed at her you know and then like a week later i'm like oh Oh, really that's not that and it's kind of funny because i don't think very many people could have jumped in like i did but i had you know all this history of building stuff you know my dad built Mm -hmm. half the characters in Disneyland that would reach around and grab something all those mechanical characters that's Mm -hmm. what my dad did Mm. so you know I watched him build all that stuff and help weld some of it together and you know little electric motors and hydraulics and all the stuff that moved all so I think I was maybe in the right place and with the right you know experience life experience to tackle something like that and so uh, on we went that was 19 years ago. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, do you still sell more Yamaha systems than anything else just because of that whole. Uh, absolutely. Dubok, <laughs> Yamaha
0: absolutely. You know, it's, it, it's so hard to get away from. I remember when we were running ads with a picture of me going through the same section and I was, you know, we just did the exact same photo, but I was on a KTM, I was on a Honda, I was on, you know, we did all the bikes lined up. That yeah. ad didn't help at all. Yeah. You know, I sold literally. 10 to 1 Yamaha over any of the other colors uh-huh. and it's just the way it is, and, you know, I, I guess I should be flattered that people identify with me and kind of understand my history and how mm-hmm. long I've been at this and, you know, what brought me here sitting next to you talking that, you mm-hmm. know, that that's why they trust, you know, and yeah. it's, you know, and, and we've won so many pipe shootouts with all the other colors as well, but people just always, you know migrate back to that he's a true blue guy just just
1: like mitch probably sells cali pipes yep and wait 10 to 1 or 10 to 1
0: exactly so that's just the way it is
1: i think one of the uh one of the advantages that you have is that you ride all your stuff that you're making and every drd pipe i've ever used has been awesome because it's practical power per se yeah like it's power that's easy to go fast with it's not just that big hit you know like there's one pipe company we know that just (laughs) always has a big hit yeah it's like yeah it's great on the dyno but it's not on the track
0: yeah well usually that big hit is recovering from some bad spot yeah (laughs) that's what the big hit is yeah but i mean that's always been your mo correct like like well you know it's funny mark porter who uh, just recently retired from yamaha but he's a super smart guy you know he been around everywhere, seen it all. And he told me one day, like early on when I was playing with this stuff and just my company, was maybe only a year old, he goes, first, got to try and make something as good as stock. Yeah. Then, because everyone's, you know, just parts you make it all with, everything's just a little bit different. He mm-hmm. goes, so, you know, if you can match stock with all your different pe- pieces, you know, your offset of your in tip and just everything mm-hmm. – you know, wall thickness and steps, everything you do, then perform it from there. And, and that always stuck with me because so many times, and you see it, you know, you put something on, you're like, man, that thing's horrible. Like, the stock mm-hmm. one's way better. Yeah. Because I think what people do is they just, they throw it away. I, that thing can't possibly be any good. And yeah. then they just, I'm going to, you know, this core, this, you know, and, and then they, they do all the things that this you know they've marketed or yeah. you know and this or they have i'm going to make a thousand of these mufflers and we're going to somehow make that fit on this but you know all yeah. that kind of mentality and, and and clearly that's the way you make money but you know i'm the dumb guy that still wants to get out there and just spend hours and hours and hours at this track and that track and you know ride them all and then finally okay i'm happy you know mm-hmm. everyone else has had it out you know there's some companies that they get the bike and it's in a box three days later and it never even made it to the racetrack yeah they just you know threw it on the dyno squirted some chain lube on there so the number went up and uh it's in a box and off and going but um yeah i'm hard-headed you know i uh, i don't know if it's because my actual name's on it or it's just from my dna of being a testing guy you know Mm -hmm. where you're you're just splitting hairs all day long and having to you know, make sure at the end of the day you can look those engineers in the eye and they've got that trust in you that you're not just guessing or just trying to tell them what they want to hear or whatever. And, you know, that was, I think, what continued, you know, opening all the doors for me, you know, 35 Mm -hmm. years as a test rider. That's a probably a record that not too many people (laughs) will ever match. But that is what needs to be done. You know, you can't just goof around oh yeah i get to ride and i you know they pay me some money and all that and i'll just kind of fill out this form you know it it means a lot to those guys so you better make sure you're doing a good job definitely i think uh well
1: wasn't it last year i called you and i was like doug dude this pipe on the yz450f stock is good i it's hard to beat huh you're like well i've got a slip on that works like a little bit better but, I mean, you didn't blow smoke up my butt. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, oh, I got a full system that's blah, blah, blah. I mean, you acknowledged how great and, the stock was.
0: And I'm the worst sales guy in, yeah. in my company because uh, I, I am too, you know, just painfully honest with people yeah. at the track. Hey, you know, how's yours compared to the stocker? And I'll tell them straight up. Yeah. Because I don't want to lie to them because yeah. then when they go and buy it, and then if they're very intelligent and they actually do any sort of testing back and forth – they'll go well that guy was full of crap yeah but uh yeah no i'm this as honest as the day is long in that manner and that's what mm-hmm. i told you i said well i haven't made a full system better yet but yeah just because of their you know wall thickness different you know metric size versus mm-hmm. american size just all the little subtle things i could not improve or even match their head pipe mid pipe but wow. my slip-on's good yeah yeah i i, I no. like it but again it's it's just a little better than stock
1: now what about the whole you know the yamaha you can change the power band with the app like the mapping and stuff does that kind of even further make it tough for for exhaust guys
0: i think so i I think
1: like if you wanted more top you could get on your phone and order more (laughs) top i'll just
0: order it up like a pizza right well you know and it's not that simple because yeah you can change it you you can change ignition you can change fuel and all that and it will change performances in certain you know areas and all that you know we obviously try and do the best job we can Mm -hmm. but we're trying to make it for the masses you know and so yeah you can if some guy that is riding faster tracks or whatever wants a little more top or, you Mm -hmm. know, somebody wants to soften up the bottom and all that. Yeah. You have those abilities and not just with the Yamaha app, even though that's very convenient, but you know, the tools that are sold with the different bike. But yeah, that does (coughs) further, you know, it, (coughs) not that it's been a recent transition, but yeah, some time ago exhaust is like anything else, like graphics, you know, the, the people that buy that stuff, unfortunately are the ones who just want it on their bike Mm -hmm. they're not looking for you know a a vet intermediate guy isn't looking for more power out of his 450 typically but he wants something that's got that same sticker that that race team guy has and you know and same with the graphics and got to have the you know the coating on my forks and the suit and everything you know and that's great that's what you know makes everything you know if the if the harley industry didn't have the aftermarket there would be no harley industry you know so i mean everyone wants to customize and that's that's great you know we can all make some money along the way and that's why i say i'm probably my own worst enemy because i'm so fixed on the performance side Mm -hmm. of it that i take three times longer to get it out and you know it's just it's yeah i need to just forget about all that stuff and just put a really cool sticker on it
1: yeah you know this uh past weekend at Vet Weekend at Mammoth, uh, you know, Pat Foster, he's racing our YZ450F. Yeah. And he says, so many people are like, hey, Swap Moto Live, can't afford to get
0: you a pipe. And he's like, oh, no, no, it's, I like the stock pipe. I don't want a pipe. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to detune it, especially up here. You need all the power yeah. you can get. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, funny.
1: you know, like we, we talked about it before we started recording, but yeah, um, Tim Tucker, vet moto 26. yeah oh he he uh, rants and raves about his drd pipe on his kx
0: 450.
1: see that's so, not a
0: blue one and he's huh yeah that's not a blue one he's a happy customer so he's <laughs> a great guy yeah he spent some time <clears throat> right so i think you? he i don't know if he had bought the pipe or the bike with a pipe on it or something i know no, he, he had at pipe. least one other one mm-hmm. and he i can't remember what his reason was initially but i just said hey i I was just finishing up with all the testing and that. And I said, look, I got one just sitting in a box. You know, always when I'm done with the, you know, kind of this is the one. Mm-hmm. I always keep that one just in case there's any changes down the road. I always want that original one. It's, yeah. I, I learned that from Yamaha testing. Yeah. You always keep the, the master. <clears throat> and so I said, I'll bring it out one day, you know, and just uh, you throw it on. Let me know. Because he was complaining something. Oh, I think the stock one's better here or there or whatever than whatever he had. And so I gave it to him, and he was just like, lit up that day so yeah. like, wow this thing's like everything i wanted you know because yeah, that kx was it had its own little character flaws you know yeah. really good bike but yeah i just i was able to kind of level out the the low and make it real linear mm-hmm. and, and controllable and still had plenty of juice there on after mm-hmm. so he was he was very happy
1: <laughs> yeah well, that's cool so uh i remember one of the products you made that made a huge difference for me that had nothing to do with exhaust was the the radiator lowering kit mm-hmm. do you still uh. produce those for current bikes or is it like getting increasingly difficult with chassis? it is
0: it is getting you know we still have it like the yamaha thankfully is that kit has will go on for a lot of years mm-hmm. but yeah some of the bikes you know like the honda is very difficult It becomes so cumbersome of a kit yeah. that it becomes like there's no profit in it you know especially i gotta lean on machinist yeah my machinist guy to do it and He's like, okay, how many of those you want? You know, you're gonna make me jump through all these hoops, make all these vices, and write all these programs to make all these pieces, and you want twenty? Yeah, know, because yeah. in the heyday, you know, I'd order them 100, 200 at a time, mm-hmm. but you know, just, just the way, you know, people are just like we talked about more fluff you know yeah. i'd rather have graphics than a radiator lowering kit yeah you know if i'm gonna spend a hundred bucks i'm to, i want something that people can see as i'm going down the highway in the back of my pickup truck so <clears throat> you know those things still exist you know we don't move the engine around in the Omaha as much as we used to you uh-huh. know it really helped the 10 to 13 and then you know, kind of you know 14 to 16 finally like 17 18 19 got pretty good some mm-hmm. guys still order it because they just want that increased uh, weight on the front wheel yeah, you know because yeah. they're just that kind of guy they look for that extra traction but you know so yeah, just like all products you know they have their life and uh some you know come and some go just like mm-hmm. the hot start <clears throat> do you remember that you yeah. you go like hey i'm gonna light you up i think we're at day in the dirt or something up at somewhere well, and, and you you go like oh i'm gonna throw that up on yeah something you know i'm right. social media dumb so but uh, I certainly sold a lot of it. I don't know if I have you to thank, but those hot starts back yeah. in the day, the early yeah. 400 and all that, man, talk about like hundreds and hundreds a month. Uh-huh. And, and <clears throat> then it comes and then it goes. Just
1: hey, testing wise, what is the goofiest product you ever tested or tried and like liked? And then now look back and think like, like for, for me, you know what <clears> What? Do you remember when they used to shove foam in the gas tank mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. prevent sloshing and stuff? I put that stuff in my bike and I swore it felt like it made me
0: Like ten seconds a lap faster. Oh well,
1: no, I, but I just felt better, you know? Mm-hmm. I felt like I controlled the bike better or anything. And then it deteriorated and got in the and got in the pet cock and yeah. everything and messed everything up, but
0: Looking back uh, now, I think about funny. that and I go, "That's goofy."
1: I can't believe I like bought into that, or I thought that was.
0: So <clears throat> well, there's a there's a handful of things that I can't talk about because they they haven't made production, and they may or may not ever. Oh. So there are some things like that that I could share, but then you know I'd have to kill you and everybody yeah, at the other end listening. So, um, but I've definitely seen a lot of stuff come and go. You know, it's uh, one of the things that's it's just a weird little. Uh, component in my brain you know everyone thinks hydraulic clutch is so magical mm-hmm. but uh, for me I, I don't like a hydraulic clutch there's mm-hmm. some good ones out there yeah and <clears throat> i think they're okay but to me I'm, i am i want to feel i want that direct connection to the rear wheel yeah and that cable and lever provide that really finite sensation yeah that fluid and a plunger just don't provide yeah. so that's something i remember i can't recall what year it was maybe the 18450 when it kind of had you know change and it was mm-hmm. all new and all that and i remember my son pointed it out cuz he's same thing he's tested now you know, the 65 and 80 he's yeah, done a yeah. lot of testing and you know, forming his own opinions and we kind of feel the same way it's like yeah i just don't have that same feel with hydraulic as i do i was like one guy said it and then like 20 guys jumped on it well it doesn't have a hydraulic clutch so it can't be any good like the whole bike was shot because it didn't have a (laughs) hydraulic clutch and so I thought that was kind of funny but you know there's so many little things you know like the hot start we mentioned my product had been out maybe three or four years now and I remember Mm -hmm. going to Japan and seeing a dead copy of my hot start on a bike (laughs) but for some reason the lawyers didn't want it on the throttle side which is where it made sense mm-hmm. and so it, it never made production because ah, okay. to me i put it over there to get the guy's hand off the, off throttle, the throttle so yeah. he's not over there doing Definitely. the two-stroke pump
1: <laughs> totally totally yeah you know when you're talking about hydraulic clutches it's like i i'm not positive i like it better on the cowie yeah like, like i actually changed <clears throat> i changed clutch basket and everything to the recluse uh torque drive mm-hmm but prior to that i smoked through my clutches like i think i did three inside of two months maybe mm-hmm. and i was just like what's going on with this and it's because that <clears throat> the one on the cowie is so easy yeah if you ride with the finger on a clutch you're kind of you a, a little bit a little, yeah, you're slipping a little bit <clears throat> so i was just smoking all these clutches and stuff so i went to this other system and it was better but
0: yeah that's you know it i think especially some of the early hydraulic stuff you know when guys would hang on it and then they they wouldn't allow it to replenish yeah you know then the thing would just tighten up and just cook the clutch because they were just hanging on it and so you know every that system has got to circulate yeah and so i know they've made a lot of changes and kind of got past that problem but yeah i i can recall when ed scheidler we had some stuff this was a long time ago so (coughs) yamaha's looked at it and I'm not an active test rider at this moment, so mm-hmm. don't believe anything I say anymore. Okay, Tra- Travis Preston and those boys are doing a good job over there. but uh, So, I mean, the 21 could come out with a hydraulic clutch and I'll just look like an idiot. But 10 or more years ago, when we had one on a bike and Scheidler and all that, and, you know, they were kind of pushing for it because, mm-hmm. you know, it was same thing as half the other things that we don't need or the average customer doesn't need to get his wallet out for but it's on there anyway because somebody else wanted it and uh i'm like Ed, i just i can't sign off i can't put my stamp on this thing it's just not as good as the other Mm. well is it acceptable and that's always kind of the end all be all is it acceptable and i put my foot down i said no and so maybe i'm the guy to blame that (laughs) yeah doesn't have a hydraulic clutch but i don't think so um so the, just some of those things, where you go, wow, oh, you know, I may have actually had some influence right there. Oh come on! <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's all been just super fun and a, a big educational experience all those years mm-hmm. with all those different people, and it's kind of cool full circle now helping you know K Watanabe. That mm-hmm. has very little to do with Yamaha US. It's mainly from YMC the company, mm-hmm. and so when I, I travel over there a little more again and not for testing but you know more for to help use k and be at some of these events and it's just great to see all these engineers that are still around they've all moved around you know they're in yeah. different positions but yeah a lot of familiar faces a lot of guys i've known for a very long time yeah nice so you fly out uh later this week for southwick yep tomorrow morning going tomorrow to morning. uh hartford connecticut gonna nice. go hang out and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I was lucky enough last year to race the 125 with my son mm, yeah. on my birthday, on my 55th birthday. So that was kind of a cool thing. Won't be able to match that this year, but hopefully Yusuke can get over his little injury from the ranch last weekend mm-hmm. and uh, get through, get some good motos, and uh, enjoy Southwick. He missed it last year from his practice crash at Milestone, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Nice. Well, hey, Doug.
1: Thank you for uh, giving me so much of your time today. Yeah, I, I feel like we'll get out of a part two sometime.
0: Uh, well, as you, you've <laughs> learned in this segment, that uh, or these last four segments, I, I can talk all day. Yeah. I, it's just a sickness that I have. I've been into this industry and moto and everything my whole life. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure when I'm going to grow up, as you, we were yeah. talking earlier, yeah. and, and uh, get a real job and all those silly
1: things. <laughs> cool. Wait. Well, hey, thank you for listening out there, and Doug. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us. Hi.
0: Right, thanks for having me.
1: You've been listening to the Swap Moto Live podcast show presented by Ogio and hosted by my dad Don Lera. Thanks for
0: listening.